What's up, queens and royals? I'm your host, Angel, and you are listening to Awakened Love, a podcast on sex, love, and awakening. And these are the conversations to evoke the wise, wild, woke one within you. Let's go deep. What's up, beautiful awakened humans? It's just me today, and I wanted to share with you guys some discoveries that I've been having in my work and in my life and some concepts that have started to develop in this brain of mine. And so I guess I'll start with kind of how it all unfolded. It's kind of like, I don't know if you guys have read that book. I can't remember the name of it, but it's a a really old book, I think originally for marketing, but it's around how to generate ideas And the idea is that you take in all this information and you study and you read and you absorb from all different inputs and then you let it all go and you rest. And science shows us that that has kind of caught up with this book and shows us now that that is really how ideas are formed. We need to let our mind go into that relaxed state. It's often why you'll have great ideas when you're falling asleep or just waking up or if you're going for a walk and you're nice and relaxed and you've just kind of let everything go. So, of course, I've been studying sexuality and love and relationships for many, many years and extremely intensely over the last two years and also just, you know, experientially. I was thinking uh, yesterday that I should do a podcast about all the times I've been in love and what I learned through those. So if you want to hear that, let me know. But essentially taking in a lot of data. And so... On Saturday, I rested and I had a full day off before I had my Awakened Love group coaching container in the evening. I was just doing some energy practices, expanding my energy, contracting it, depressing it, ballooning it, playing with the density. So really just relaxing and doing some energy work that day, letting it all go. And it just started to occur to me uh, why it is that I think most relationships or many relationships, at least eventually, find that their desire and passion starts to wane and that their sex is somehow affected by the length of their relationship. Like this is not a new idea, right? It's a well-studied phenomena. (laughs) And if you've been in a really long-term partnership, then I don't need to tell you that. You may have experienced it yourself. And so, you know, we have plenty of people contributing to this uh, space. Some of the things that I've learned from those people that contributed to this realization I had of why is that and how can we change it are people like Esther Perel, Dr. Emily Nagoski. And so in Dr. Emily Nagoski's work, she taught me that sex is an attachment behavior, which is a kind of an interesting concept at first. You're like, wait a minute, what? And she goes on to explain, you know, that we are primates essentially and that sex is one of the ways that we affirm our attachments. I've also read in things like Sex at Dawn and plenty of other research that sort of states that we weren't really always in monogamous containers. Esther Perel talks about this as well, that that really only started to happen in the agricultural revolution. Prior to that, what is kind of the general consensus, and there is some argument about this, is that it was at least some kind of more open arrangement. We don't know what that looked like exactly, but I mean, my guess is what if for whatever that's worth and from what I've studied, I kind of agree with the theory that we traveled in bands. Like, yes, we were nomadic. That's well known. 
but that within that band there was kind of like an open, you know, an open vibe where people would, you know, everyone kind of just shared and it was an affirmation of these are my people, I'm accepted, I'm chosen, I'm cherished, I belong here. And it was a way to like reaffirm those ties. I'm sure we had favorite partners and all that sort of thing and there would have still been love stories, but I imagine they looked really different back then because we didn't have all the romance novels and movies to tell us how it's supposed to look, right? So we just sort of come up with our own version. Uh, so, and it's the chicken and the egg, who knows, maybe the thing, the romance movies were created based off what people were experiencing, or maybe people experience more like that because of the romance movies, who knows, either way, sex and attachment behavior. And so she talks about this analogy between sex and peeing, which I think is birds repeating this idea that when you're busting to go to the toilet like really, really need to go. And then you finally get to sit down and pee and it feels so good. It feels like it's the greatest pee you've ever done. And she questions, is it that the pee actually feels better or is it the contrast and the relief that actually makes it feel good? And if that's the case, then is it that sex, let's say in volatile relationships or in uh, novel or new relationships, is it that the sex itself actually feels better Or is it that you're relieving that desire for connection? If it's an attachment behavior and you get to attach, that creates this feeling, this contrast of I wasn't attached or I wasn't connected and now I'm feeling connected. It's like, oh, right, that relief. And so it feels so good. And it got me thinking, you know, Esther Perel talks about desire. There has to be a bridge to cross. And so it's like this idea of, okay, well, if I'm not feeling connected with chosen or cherished, which so many people on this planet today are not, most people are not living in community, uh, which is how we're designed to live, right? We're social mammals. A lot of us feel isolated, disconnected. And so sex is this space where we meet that need, right? And it can feel so good to close the gap between disconnection to connection. And even people that say, you know, I don't have any emotional attachment to sex, like it's just sex. Yes. And I'm sure even if they dug a little deeper and asked like, why does it feel so good with certain people or in certain moments? What is the difference? Is it that they're like a super skilled lovemaker? Maybe, but I I think, and I have done a little bit of a check around on this to see the consensus and, and both men and women seem to agree that the best sex happens when we feel so chosen, so cherished, so significant in that moment, even if after the sex is done, that goes away. And so it's like fulfilling this deep need as social mammals, as Dr. Emily states, it is an attachment behavior. So that got me thinking, okay, well, if it's about need fulfillment, I started to think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And so there's that base primal need to feel the warmth of another body on your body. Like if you think about, again, back in the day when our brains developed, we would have been living in tribes and bands and communities. And most of the time we would have all been sleeping in the same space. There would have been lots of warm bodies around us as an indicator that we're safe, right? That we belong, that we're protected. And then if you move up from that base physiological need, because here's the other thing, we're told that sex is a drive. It's like a need. Uh, and it's not, it, It isn't a drive because 
Otherwise, we would die without it. And we don't. Hunger, thirst, sleep, these things are drives. If we don't get them, we die. But you won't die if you don't have sex. So it isn't actually a drive, right? It is an attachment behavior. It's like an affirmation. It's a nice to have to affirm what is what is a true desire, which is safety, right? Feeling like I'm safe. Then you move up the Maslow's hierarchy of needs into emotional needs. I belong I'm accepted, I'm chosen, I'm cherished. And if you also think about when we were kids, those are like the most primary needs we have to feel chosen, to feel cherished, to feel accepted, loved, and safe. And so this is this very adult way to have these very primal, base, sometimes unmet childhood needs fulfilled. Whether we're in a relationship, whether we're having casual sex, there's something about that that makes it feel so good. And so what I realized happens when we get into relationships, and this is the realization that I had, is that that need can often feel fulfilled, right? If you're in especially a monogamous, committed partnership, you feel totally chosen. You feel totally cherished. You feel like you belong, like you're accepted and that there's safety if you're in a healthy relationship. So that need is met. And if we don't update our reason for having sex, if it's still attached to that primal desire or that primal way of feeling safe, belong, belonging, cherished, chosen, if we don't update the software, then we don't no longer need it, right? So a lot of people stop desiring. What that can also create in a partnership is the person who feels that first, where they're like, ah, oh, my need for feeling belonging and safety and feeling chosen and cherished is totally satisfied. Huh, my desire for sex is dipped. The other partner, when that their, their partner's desire dips, can feel less safe, less chosen, less belonging. And it starts to create this chase dynamic. So the other partner starts to chase their partner. And their partner who's being chased feels even more affirmed, even more like they're chosen, cherished, and they belong. And they feel even less need uh, or desire. So what's to be done about that? Well, if we are to continue, we need to move sex up the hierarchy of needs. If you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs from just physiological base safety to emotional belonging, love, connection, it gets to keep those things, yeah, sure, and move up towards self-actualization. So if we don't update the reason why we have sex, if we don't allow it to transform when certain needs are fulfilled into the other higher up the pyramid needs, then the desire may wane. And I really, I feel that this is true. This feels like truth to me through my own experience and through through the studies I've been doing that. And I say to my clients all the time that it just, there's a different entry point that sex doesn't have to be worse, quote unquote, or even less frequent, but the entry point is different. If you're not yearning to be reconnected with, which is also why uh, when the relationship is threatened, often you'll have great sex, or if you're in a really volatile relationship where there's constant ruptures to the connection, then you have great sex to make up for it, to repair the connection. There's that busting to pee, getting to pee, total disconnection, ah, relief, I'm connected again. It makes the sex feel as though it's incredible and amazing. Is it actually... Or is it just the relief you feel for finally feeling chosen, cherished again in a volatile relationship? So can we actually learn to celebrate? Wouldn't that be a radical idea? Celebrate the fact that we arrive at a place in a relationship where we feel safe, we feel cherished, we feel chosen. Sex is no longer the behavior that we need to do to feel that. 
But (laughs) don't just leave it there. Sex becomes something else. Sex becomes a space of exploring different states of consciousness. We've been doing that since the dawn of time. There are many theories that say the reason our brain evolved the way it did is because our ape ancestors found magic mushrooms. There's all the Elysian, I think it's called, mysteries of when you know people would get together and drink this special brew and have a totally psychedelic experience. The LSD and psychedelic revolution of the 60s. It's, it's not new. People have been trying to attain different states of consciousness for a long time. If you're interested in that, you should read the book Stealing Fire. Incredible read. It's all about this, how even if we are uh, lifting weights or doing extreme sports or lovemaking or drinking alcohol or taking drugs or smoking a cigarette or drinking coffee, whatever it is, there's this constant desire for humans to expand their state of consciousness, to experience themselves in a different state. And so sex gets to start to fit into that. Sex gets to start to move up the hierarchy of needs from just this base physiological and emotional desire to feel chosen and cherished into a space where I'm already feeling chosen and cherished. I'm already feeling safe with my partner. Now let's see how fucking far we can go. Now let's see if we can create states of transcendence for each other and together. Can we use sex as a space? And so for some people, for myself, let's say that's a spiritual space. You bring spirituality, self-actualization, the idea of enlightenment, tantra into your sexual space. But it doesn't have to be that. For my partner, he's spiritual in his own way, but for him it's more about transcendence, achieving, you know, the other day he said, wow, I just felt like I was in a psychedelic breathwork session. We're playing with that idea of expanding beyond just sex as this base thing to like (gasps) feel the part of us that needs to feel chosen and not alone and cherished and meaningful and significant and all those things, right? That even if you're just having a one night stand, that's probably the best part of it is to feel chosen, cherished, significant, desired, all of those things, right? You, You get to spiral it up instead of just thinking, well, I'm here, the need is met. And of course, if we don't keep evolving, we die, we stagnate. And so that's what I see most couples experiencing is if we don't choose to move up and move with in the natural order of things to keep expanding, then we stagnate. And I mean, of course, because there's no rule book for this, the rule book that we have, the fairy tale that we're sold, the only thing that's talked about is this base level of sexuality, which is I want to basically have an expectation, an unconscious expectation to fulfill my unmet need of feeling chosen, cherished, safe, and belonging, to feel accepted. Great. And it doesn't just have to stop there. And that's the the rule book we get given. And then once that stops working, people start to think, I must, there must be something wrong with me or my partner or my relationship. I must be broken or defective or they are, or my relationship is. And that just simply doesn't have to be the case. The rule book no longer works. You've graduated to the next level of the video game. From my perspective, this is something worth celebrating. This is a really exciting thing. I wish that couples, like, wouldn't that be amazing if our society reframed this when the desire for that carnal need fulfillment starts to wane? We go, wow, celebration. Our relationship's at the next level. We feel safe, chosen, and cherished. Amazing. Sex now gets to transform into a different space. And it can still be that, right? When you're having sex, it's still affirming that choice because feeling chosen, cherished, 
like you're safe, like you belong, like you're accepted. That's a, that's a moving target. That's a continual process. But as you'll know, if you've been in a relationship where you felt that way, even if it was with a family or a friend, it gets easier, right? Once you get over the hump, you get to know each other, you start to establish safety in the relationship. You still have to water the relationship, Sex still gets to be an attachment behavior that affirms your connection, but it's not going to have that desperate need to it anymore because you're not desperately trying to cross a chasm from disconnection to connection. You're already connected. So can that be something that we celebrate and then go, great, and, and now what? What next? Curious, excited, and getting to explore this uncharted territory with our partners that really is uncharted territory. I mean, the Tantrikas have been doing it for, for a long, long time, right? And leaving us behind this science of this other way, this expanded state of connection using sex as a vehicle for enlightenment. It's hidden right there. So it's not even necessarily like this is a new idea, but it just landed for me in a really new way, in a deep way. And I shared it with a lot of my clients and it was landing for them and, and it hitting them in a new way. So I felt like it was worth sharing with you guys. So if you're in that space and you've been feeling terrible about your sex life, I would actually encourage you to flip that script, celebrate your needs are fulfilled. Great. And now sex gets to be a play space, an exploration space, a spaceship for transcendence, connection, and a space for self-actualization. And this is the real truth. Sex is such a ripe ground for growth. When we start to get into the nitty gritty and understand who we are in love and sex, and of course I'm biased because this is my work, holy shit, there's some rich information there about who we are, the experiences that have impacted us the most greatly for better and for worse. And therefore, there's so much information in that space that you can use to self-actualize. And there is the key. If we shift the intention from unconscious need fulfillment to feel chosen and cherished, which is great nothing wrong with that. Can we shift that to being conscious affirmation of that and beyond shifting the intention, changing the entry point, changing the why. If we don't upgrade our why in our relationships, most often I see, and maybe not always, there is stagnation and desire dwindles and the sex life suffers. Or if you have a really avoidant partner, <laughs> then maybe you can actually or, or a volatile relationship where there's continual continual ruptures, then perhaps you can just hang out in that that those base levels in the pyramid. Nothing wrong with it. It's amazing. It's great. But there's also nothing wrong with not having a volatile relationship and having a relationship where you feel truly connected, chosen, and cherished. And so that that shouldn't be something to be uh, sad about. That creates stagnation, and it doesn't have to be. It really is worth celebrating. You've upgraded. You're at the next level of the video game. And as I always say to my clients, when novelty and hormones are no longer the thing that drive your sex life, you need skill and devotion. And if you're excited about self-actualization, then that's an exciting place to be. And through that, you will still have slam me up against the wall moments if that's what you're into. You will still have spontaneous lovemaking because the more sex you have, the more, the more sex you have, right? But that stagnation point of when you're shifting gears, when those needs are met, doesn't have to be the end point. It's, it's information. It's asking you to shift gears, to shift intentions, to shift strategies. And we don't have a rule book for that. Uh, I'm doing my best to support people in, the, in making that shift, but there's not a lot out there on this. So 
If you're listening and you're thinking, I want support on that, hit me up. I would love to support you. You don't have to suffer in silence. That that idea that we should just know how to do this, we should just know what to do, can only take us so far. If we're in those primal realms, then yeah, we know how to do that. We know how to get our, our need for being chosen and cherished met, but do we know how to create sex as a transcendent space where we explore expanded states of consciousness and use it as a space where we could playfully heal, transform, and up-level? Maybe not. <laughs> Is that something to be ashamed of if we've never been taught? I don't think so. But that shame creates silence. And when we're silent, we can't grow because we can't share about it. We can't reflect on it. We can't think of, you know, there's no space for growth with the shame and the silence. So if you're wanting support, I have group coaching programs. I do one-to-one sessions with singles, couples, and yeah, it would be my honor and privilege to support you. Clearly, I'm jazzed and excited about this work. Uh, if we're not friends on Instagram, we should be. Come on over and follow me there. That's the easiest way where you can engage with me and my work outside of the podcast here. It's Angelica Alana, A-N-G-E-L-I-K-A-A-L-A-N-A. Lots of A's. Come on over there. You can take my free quiz to find out which goddess archetype is most dominant in your love and sex life. Ton of fun there lots of information it's a rich framework for evolution you can also get in touch with me there we can become greater friends and yeah if you're interested in going deeper in my work that's the easiest place to find me there thanks so much for listening guys i'm so curious on your thoughts if you do come connect with me over on instagram and you had any thoughts aha moments you agreed you disagreed i'd love to hear it let's keep the conversation going come over and let's chat about it there thanks so much for your time 